welcome to this uh, this episode. Today we're talking about the real estate organization process, and our guest today is Gavi Zeitlin, who is head of marketing at SolidBlock. Hi, Gavi. Hey, Stefan. Great to be here. Good. Okay, so we only have 15 minutes, so we're going to try to get this uh, through this um, efficiently. Obviously, you probably all know SolidBlock already. If you don't know, have a look at the episode description, and uh, you're going to see everything that is there is to know. So I think the biggest, or at least the first claim to fame of um, SolidBlock was the Aspus and Regis deal, which was really groundbreaking in uh, real estate organization. And there is also obviously a number of other deals and uh, Gavi will uh, talk, uh, talk to us about them. But so the first question is, what is the typical real estate proposition that is suitable for being uh, being tokenized? And so what are the risks, the uncertainties? And yeah, so how does it work together with the tokenization structure? All right, sure. So I'll explain kind of how it works in terms of where tokenization fits into the real estate model, but really for anything, like really anything could technically be tokenized. Um, the, I'll explain kind of how the, you know, the, this tokenization, which is a security token, fits into the overall kind of blockchain space. I usually like to divide up for people to understand the distinction is that you have crypto assets and you have crypto utility. So crypto assets are your Bitcoin, your Ethereum, your XRPs, right? These, these are kind of in price discovery right now. You know, the, the, the price is going up, price is going down. People are deciding kind of in the market how what value these things have. But on the flip side, we also have crypto utility, which is essentially using blockchain as an application for a current existing real world process. So when it comes to tokenization, tokenization, let's say you can go to tokenize a, a real estate deal. Well, the underlying value has nothing to do with the token itself. The underlying value will, will remain and has to do with the existing you know, value definitions for real estate itself outside of tokenization. You know, so if a building is a, is a is million dollars, let's say, and you have a million tokens, right? That's what's going to drive the token value. Um, and then once it gets onto the secondary market, there may be some fluctuations, but people who are going to be looking for and 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 uh, and understanding what the value is of those tokens can go back and look at, well, what is the value of the original asset? And then how much is this token worth, right? And so you're not going to see necessarily these wild swings in price that you would in the crypto um, asset space because it's, it's completely kind of different beast. You're tied to a real world asset with the same rules that work the way you value, value real estate without tokenization, right? So that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so what I understand is there is no specific asset that is better to be tokenized than others. Sort of essentially all real estate, whichever. Right. Which so basically, basically, it's like what, what's going to drive the value of the deal doesn't have to do with the token, it has to do with the deal itself. Right. So if it's a bad real estate deal, right, tokenization is not going to help it. Right. If it's a great real estate deal, tokenization will, you know, it will, it will, it will just give you more optionality within the existing deal. Right. So if you're looking to raise capital, I'll give you one of the benefits of tokenization um, is kind of the, one of the real core benefits, particularly for um, for the investor side of things, is that they're able to be. It's much more easy to become liquid, uh, which is kind of the real. I would say it was one of the top uh, benefits of tokenization for the for the investor side of things. Right. Well, historically, real estate has been um, it is the biggest market cap asset in the world, um, close to three hundred trillion dollars. Um, and and 
the challenge that you have when you're investing in real estate is that typically if it's a, a real estate investment deal, you're investing, you know, for, for price value go up, you're investing for capital gains, um, that, that, you're, that your money is generally locked up in the deal. Um, while the deal is being, be, or while while the development is being done, right? If you need to pull out some or all of your um, all of your equity, right? You got to get a lawyer involved. You know, you're essentially moving from. Um, you know, I'll, I'll explain the whole process in a second, but it's, but, but you're you essentially need to get a legal uh, a, a legal process involved to be able to kind of take yourself out from the ownership of the company, sell your shares, find a buyer, uh, as opposed to you could take some of your tokens, go to an exchange. Um, places like T0, IMX, there's going to be more in the future, um, and be able to sell in the open market. And that's a good example exactly what Aspen is doing. Aspen uh, is, is, I think, was the first use, the, the first case example of this, of trading on T0 to actually show people are trading the uh, the the token. Um, and the thing that's really driving the trading volume is the value of the, of the underlying real-world asset. Okay, so the, the, the what I'm hearing is that the big risk uncertainty that is removed is this illiquidity um, in for, for the uh, individual token holders, especially on the single token or and the single object level, right? Because you would maybe have the liquidity when you do a real estate fund, depending on the structure of the fund, but on the single asset level, we do not have this kind of liquidity so far. And this is what we hope that uh, token generates. And to some extent, they already have generated, um, if I understand you well. Is this a yeah. fair summary? Exactly. Basically, it allows, it allows investors to get more control on a layer down. If they're investing in a fund, they now will be able to maybe make their own funds and also allow potentially also uh, institutions and organizations a tool as well for them to create their own funds and have more, more control over, uh, uh, mm. over the assets that they want to invest in. Yeah, that's interesting, especially with all these money Lego, uh, et cetera, where you can then put those things together. I think that's also a very interesting angle um, that we possibly should explore actually in another episode, because I think this is a bit out of here, but I think it's a super interesting thing that you can say, okay, now, now you have all these building blocks and you can just put them together in a different way. Okay, so let's move on to the next question because we said the key thing that we really want to talk about is tokenization uh, process. So how does it work? And possibly also, how does it work different from the traditional process to see a little bit both, uh, both angles? Right, sure. So I'll explain kind of the way, the, again, high level the traditional process works and then where tokenization fits in and then how that works. So the way it generally works is that if you, you know, let's take a very basic example. So you've got, um, you want to go invest in a, or you want to go uh, do development in a, in a real estate project, right? You need to raise a million dollars in uh, in capital to be able to do that. So what you can do is you can go and find five people. Each of them gives $200,000. And the way that that's now set up is, is you basically create an SPV, uh, uh, generally an LLC or some type of a holding company that holds the asset. And then everyone is basically get up, uh, they, they buy shares in the company. Right? So they'll all own 20% of the company, let's say. And then as the value of the asset goes up, the value of the of the company goes up and therefore their equity and and, uh, and eventually down the line when it's sold, right, it's liquidated down back to the company and they get the money. That's where the cash flow kind of comes in after the product sold. The cash flow, you know, there's money coming in, there's this long process. And then when you sell, the, the cash then is free and then it goes back with a return um, to the original investors. So 
that's you know kind of kind of generally in a very high level kind of how it works today. So our tokenization comes comes in as is, is as uh, follows. So one of the documents that you create in real estate today, when you're defining um, uh, an, uh, an asset, what the risks are, what it is, what the benefits are, uh, is a PPM, right? The 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 memorandum that you do to talk about the the the. Uh, what does PPM stand for? Private placement. Private placement memorandum. Okay. Um, and what we do with tokenization is there's kind of three phases here, right? So there's securitization of it, which is the legal aspect. That's that's before we're not even touching the tech yet. We're dealing with the legal side of stuff, and that defines you know ownership, who owns what. If there's if there's also a possibility for there to be um, dividends, right? Or if it's a rental property, yields, um, and people who own the property will get a certain percentage of the yield. That's all legal. Um, definition. Again, that exists before you even touch anything tech, technology-wise. What we do next is we do the digitization of that. So we take whatever the rules are in that contract and we turn it into a smart contract uh, right now on the Ethereum blockchain, right? And that defines all the rules. Um, you know, people who, who own a certain percentage are, are going to be given a certain amount of uh, any dividends or income that come from the property. Uh, and that it's distributed up that way. Um, and then we do tokenization. So then it comes out that the tokens are minted and then everyone now is given tokens to hold as opposed to them you know, being shareholders in the company, the, the, uh, there's an addendum to the PPM which transfers equity over to the tokens and then the tokens are distributed to the people who, um, who gave the capital uh, to the project. Now, instead of them being uh, shareholders in the company, they hold tokens which are equivalent to the same shares. And the benefit of obviously doing that is that now they, they, can, they can take self-custody of it. Or they can own it themselves. They don't necessarily have to have someone else uh, hold it for them. They can uh, put it and hold it into their own wallet, or they can decide they want to put it into uh, or give it to a private custodian. Um, again, as opposed to, or, or and, and then the benefit of that is that they're, they're then able to liquidate it if they need to at some point in the future. Okay, so standard process and the only or key difference being that rather than having a security certificate um, that is either paper-based or nowadays more or less, uh, it's generally also a database entry, but mm -hmm. it is, um, it still is a database entry, but it's a data database entry with a nice API. And this nice API allows you to self-custody um, those assets and, uh, um, and, and do whatever. Uh, you 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 want with them now i don't want to get too much into regulation and i don't know to which extent you want to talk about it but i was just thinking that this um this may work better in some countries than in others because especially you 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 talk you called it equity now it might not be technically company equity because i think it's kind of equity can have multiple meanings but to the extent that it's company equity, there are often legal requirements, how you record those. Have you run into any issues around those or is this sort of not, uh, not an issue here? Right, so in the United States, it's not an issue uh, right now. Right now, and this is all fully compliant with all existing regu regulation and securities laws. Um, other countries are gonna get on board um, in the future. I think, I think what, what, what you're seeing right now in general, any, any type of new technology, um, you know, the challenge that regulators have is that they need to find either a current bucket that they can kind of plug it into, right, that exists, or they have to see, do we got, do we need to go and explain, um, create a whole new bucket or, or, or explanation for this new type of technology? 
right? So one of the benefits today, you know, is in the United States, for example, is that this can all plug into existing real estate securities law. Other countries, people are going to be, are, are still a little more hesitant, but I think over time, you know, they're going, it, it will become mainstream. You know, one of the examples that I, that I kind of like, I like to go back to, you know, particularly people in the regulatory um, uh, framework and politicians, uh, you know, they, when it comes to new technologies, they generally want to be a bit more hesitant um, to it. Um, because let's say, give an example, right? if you go to, uh, and I've heard Michael Saylor give this example, I thought it was a good example. If you go back to a politician in like, you know, the late 1800s when steel was just invented, right? You know, and you say, hey, you say to a politician or a regulator, do you think that we can use this steel to go build a 100 story high skyscraper, right? He's like, I don't know enough about it to be able to say yes or no, even though tech Technically, it's totally possible. And obviously, we know in hindsight, it's totally possible, right? But to kind of put them on the spot before they understand everything, um, they're generally not going to do that. So that's kind of where we're in a little bit, I think, with crypto um, and blockchain products in general. Um, they're being adopted. They will, be, they will become mainstream in the future. And regulators and governments and politicians are trying to figure out right now, like, how do we categorize it? Is it something that we can kind of plug into existing uh, securities laws, or is this something we need to create a whole new framework for, depending on the different, the different uh, scenarios uh, that are that are coming coming forth? And so, two more questions that, for uh, for the reason of time, I wanted to put a little bit together because they've been also a bit shorter. The the first one is: Are there any prerequisites, any assets that are better to uh, securitize than others in this space? Um, and the other thing, and it's it's somewhat related. It's like are there any particular challenges that you have come across? Anything that you maybe have not expected uh, when you first went into this? What is sort of the thing that, that what are the roadblocks that you had that you had to overcome? Right. So, in terms of um, first question was, what was are, specific, are there any specific assets that work better than others? Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I'll say basically it works like this. It, it depends on, again, the, the expected outcome of the deal. You know, like I, I, we've literally had people calling us up saying we want to tokenize our outhouse, you know, <laughs> and it's like, okay, that'll, that'll be 30,000 million dollars. <laughs> you know, there you go. Right. <laughs> right. So it has to make sense. Like the service fee to do the tokenization and do everything has to make sense with the overall deal and the benefit of people uh, that people will want to have. It's not just, again, we're looking at the core benefit right now of, of, um, of uh, liquidity, that's really kind of the main one for investors. Uh, but for asset owners, what's it was kind of it's becoming for them is more so there's a move into the blockchain economy, right? And that really for them is is making that that change now and and adapting towards that change uh, whenever whenever it happens. You know, when tokenization becomes standard in real estate, it could be by next year, it could be in ten years. You don't know exactly when it's going to be, but it's almost hundred percent certain that it will that it is going to happen right now. The question is, are you comfortable enough yet to kind of follow that innovation adoption curve? Do you, do you want to be part of the innovators, the early adopters, the early majority, or do you want to wait for everyone else to get on board uh, first and then be kind of behind everyone? So what, what um, I'm that, hearing that is to. that it doesn't depend that much on the asset, but on the owner of the asset, whether they have the mindset I, to yeah, operate exactly. in a little bit new environment. And exactly. but, but, but keep in mind, the asset itself still needs to make sense for them to do oh, it. Yeah, I mean, Assuming they're looking for profit. Yeah, exactly. And so there's sort of certain, it would be interesting to in a, explore at one point, uh, also a little bit the economics and the unit economics of all uh, those kind of things uh, that are also important. Mm -hmm. Okay, we have a minute left. 
any challenges? Yeah, so I would say right now, the main challenge right now, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, is education, right? Is people understanding, uh, is people understanding on the investor side, you know, how this can fit into kind of their overall uh, investment portfolio. And then also on the people on the asset owner side, uh, understand the benefits for them so that they, they'll want to be able to do that and then be able to use this as a tool to sell their investors in the future. Again, okay. that's, and that's just going to come with time. Okay, yeah, that's great. And I see also, well, to put a bit of an advertisement in for everyone, A, we're going to do this podcast for that. I see you guys are all over the place and you doing like really good education things uh, that are on your website, etc. And obviously on ITCAP, we also, our mission is education. So I guess that's uh, where we're going. And by the way, this wasn't scripted for all the people here. I just mm-hmm. thought given that this was a challenge, it might be good to, uh, to mention this. Gavi, thanks a lot. This was great. awesome. Seven, great talking with you. And yeah, I'm sure we're gonna talk uh, talk again.